This week on Erotic Awakening, sensory deprivation, chemical stuff, and honey boobs. Hey, patron supporters, we have a special in February for you. Head on over to our list of video offerings and you get anyone you want free. Click on Classes on Demand at the Erotic Awakening website and let us know which one you want. We'll send you the code. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. If you're offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. We want to thank our latest patron supporters, Lauren and Melancholy Ghost. <laughs> we'll hear more about that in just a moment. So welcome to our new patrons. Head over to patron.com slash erotic awakening today and get your bonus content and support the show. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. It is already Sunday, Monday. I don't know what day of the week it is. it is. I think it's Sunday. We head for Vegas tomorrow. We head for Vegas tomorrow. You and I have been together forever, and we're going to celebrate that. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And also, if any of our listeners are out there in Vegas. We'll be hey, there for a few days. We'll be there for a few days. And actually, we've got some visitors. We've already got some of you lined up, which is fantastic. Fabulous. So, Dawn. One of the things that you and I have been practicing lately because we live in this 30-foot box mm-hmm. is we have been... The bullwhip, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> we have been going through a variety of headphones mm-hmm. and earbuds and earplugs mm-hmm. that have that reduce the sound. What do we call that when you reduce the sound? Sound canceling? Sound canceling sound- headphones. Well, that's because you're on the phone all day with work about 10 feet from me and mm-hmm. I'm trying to edit classes and podcast. So <laughs> indeed, did you know that some people use sensory deprivation as a kink and to enhance their kink life? Yes, I did. And I actually want to point out one of the first things that you and I ever did in public had sensory deprivation. That's true. So do you remember that party in the basement with the clinking chains and I, I did indeed, and we will we'll talk about that in a moment. But first off, because our experience is the sum of that story, which is 22 years old, fortunately for us today on the podcast, we have Melancholy Ghost, who is going to join us. Melancholy Ghost is the Director of Education at the Gateway Alternative Lifestyle Center in St. Louis, as well as a podcast listener, which we really appreciate. Thanks for being on the show, Mel. Hi there. I'm happy to be a supporter. <laughs> Norm- now, normally guests uh, are not also podcast supporters. So, so don't think that means we're going to be nice to you. <laughs> we're going to give you that same hard-biting journalistic approach we always do right. our guests with. <laughs> yeah, I'll I don't buy sure that, that either. I'll, I'll make sure that I'm on my good side. We're going to talk about sensory deprivation. And let's start off by simply, if you would, define what that means for us. For sure. So sensory deprivation is definitely a form of sensation play. Often you do see it incorporated with BDSM, um, but it involves depriving a person of one or more senses, such as hearing or even eyesight. Sometimes you can remove taste. It's really, really interesting the way you can remove taste. There's these things called miracle berries that you can change the taste of people tasting different foods so you can fuck around with that sensation yeah it's a lot of fun to do that because then you can play games and be like does this lemon taste like an orange and give them the lemon and then say 
is this an orange? And they say yes. And then you hit them because they're wrong. It's a lemon because of the <laughs> <laughs> so and you can also remove touch you know you could put somebody in a straight jacket or do some mummification or things like that and and play with all those senses and start to really get into somebody's brain and play around in those little areas so when you um decide to play with the senses and and deprive people of senses do you just kind of go hit or miss or do you pay attention to what they're like primary processing mode is so which would have the most impact or maybe what they have a fear of or all the above that's a great question so it like with sensory deprivation you really want to vet somebody really well because you are playing with the fact that they are doing a power exchange with you they are exchanging their senses to you they are giving them to you so in essence whenever i take somebody's eyesight they are giving me the fact that they are being taken away so whenever that comes into effect i really like to vet the person and figure out where do you want to go do you like being afraid do you want to feel more warm and cozy do you want to feel highly sexualized? You know, sometimes people with touch, like it's a really, really sexual thing. Like your skin is super sensitive or some people, their skin's not as sensitive. So you have to play with the brain a little bit more. So it depends on the vetting process. Me personally, I love playing with sensory deprivation and kind of like on the brink of fear and scary. I like to, I like to really screw around with people because I'm kind of a brat top bratty dom <laughs> I know one of those hey <laughs> watch it now so let's let's get into a little bit more of why it's a fetish or why it's a kink or what's appealing about it if if I said if I stopped by St. Louis and I said let's play and you said okay I'm gonna remove a sense from you what would be what's the eroticism of that why why would that be a fetish for someone so a lot of times the people that I've played with, with sensory deprivation, they are either submissive switches or bottoms. They're not necessarily tops or any kind of dominant. And they like the feeling of that helplessness or that not knowing what's going to happen next. They like that fear mm. of the unknown. So for instance, one of my favorite things to do that I have done lately is I will heat up corn syrup. And I'll heat it up to about 98 degrees and I'll check the temperature. And then what I'll do is I'll take what's considered a cold steel blade, which is a training okay. blade. A training blade is dull, but it feels like it could be a real knife because you use it in training sessions for like jujitsu and other martial art activities. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll take an eyedropper and I'll drop that corn syrup as I'm moving that blade along somebody's skin. So while they're blindfolded and either strapped down or anything like that, they think that they're being cut up mm -hmm. and they have, they have agreed to this. They have consented to feel that way because I'll tell them, I'm never going to hurt you. You're not going to have any kind of marks. You're not going to bleed anywhere. I promise you. But in that moment, that's whenever the person kind of questions that. But, right. I mean, what, what other explanation could there be when you've got a knife dragging along your skin and something warm bubbles up? Right. Right. I mean, your brain, right. that's like such a sus suspension of disbelief of 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> I am I am totally reaching out to a particular submissive of mine or two and saying, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> that is absolutely fair. The other thing that I really like using whenever I'm doing sensation play is I like to keep somebody on the edge of pleasure and pain. I love to walk that fine line. It's so much fun walking that fine line because you can see somebody be really, really happy and then push them back down and build that back up again. And the really good way of doing that is through what's considered acupressure circles that like you lay down on. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I love putting those on the thighs and then like latex or, or using bondage tape to tape them down. And then anytime they get really, really happy or they look like they're relaxing, I will make sure to hit them. So Ooh. to remind them that, no, you need to be in pain right now. I can't let you be all the way happy because I need to build that up over and over and over again. It's this lovely false sense of security that I love to do. Very cool. You're giving Dan all kinds of ideas. I know. Like... I'm looking that one up right now. <laughs> what about, so what if, is the sensation, for example, if, if we were playing and you ran a Wartenberg wheel across my chest, is that a different sensation if I was blindfolded first? And maybe I do or don't know that the, the Wartenberg wheel is coming, but do you find if you shut down one of the sensations that the other sensation, the other senses pick up? Very much so. Good observation or lack thereof, I should say. Eyesight's <laughs> <laughs> taken away. But yeah, so so whenever you take away a sensation, the others are heightened. It's just what is part of our mammalian brain. It is a, a fight or flight sensation that we get whenever we remove mm -hmm. some kind of sensation. The cool thing about the Wartenberg wheel that you talked about is the fact that Robert Wartenberg actually saw it in being used in Germany in World War II after the war. And what it was used for is it was used to check for nerve stimulation or lack thereof. So they utilized the Wartenberg wheel to test if a person can feel if it's sharp or test another item that feels dull to see if nerve endings are actually working and they still use it for nerve senses and doing any kind of thing in modern science today. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's why I like it on that bundle of nerves at the top of my spine. Oh, right <laughs> at the base of the skull. Mm. So fun, fun. So Dan, I wanted to throw you under the bus for a second with this conversation. Okay. Because Mel, you said that usually it's submissives and followers and switches and things like that. But Dan is an oddball. Fair. And, <laughs> fair. And as a top, it is I'm not going to say normal, but he's done his fair share of topping blindfolded. It, it drives me, <laughs> it drives DMs crazy because they don't know what to do. They're used to a submissive being blindfolded and watching out for that. But now they have a top that's blindfolded and uh, maybe crawling around on the floor because he's put toys out. I, I think that's a different <laughs> thing altogether. But the, you do, know, you, do you really, do you think that's a different thing? Yeah, because that's not so much sensory deprivation play. That's more fucking with my bottoms. But it's super interesting that even though that I do identify as a top, I don't identify as a switch. I do on occasion, I guess you could call it, I, you know, on occasion I do bottom. And the bottoming I do seems to always be some level of sensory deprivation. I've walked him around blindfolded before where he's put his hand on my shoulder and like, 
man, that's freaky. Yeah. My, my leader is trusting me to lead him and not let him bump into things. And yeah. And, and multiple situations where I've been had senses removed from me, most of the time blindfolding, but others as well, and have things happen around me or to me. Ooh, me and Smiley Face, she yep. blindfolded you, and you could only listen to what her and I were doing. So that was a that to <laughs> me. So Mel, tell me if, if that's a good example of sensory deprivation, at least a way to use it in that what happened was I was blindfolded, and Dawn and someone else were playing, and Smiley all face. I got to do was hear them play versus watch them play. Well, that just sounds like somebody got to be evil for a little bit that usually isn't It wasn't able me. No, it wasn't bit. me. It, it was it was the person that talked me into it. Well, the <laughs> the thing is is that I find that as as a dominant and as a like top person, whenever I'm playing, I do like to test out stuff. So if I'm going to put somebody through sensory deprivation, I like to know what it feels like because then I can kind of get a glimpse of what I feel like and kind of equate mm. it kind of calibrate it to somebody else so the other thing that I also like doing is I like making playlists for my sensory deprivation so whenever they do have like songs going in their head I can make sure that I'm navigating the songs with the play so mm. like for instance whenever I did a sensation play for a class I had bite the hand that feeds by nine inch nails playing as I was doing food play <laughs> nice. so I could I could fuck with her head and change in between foods and the fun thing is to do that change in between foods so I had I had a can of whipped cream and it was it was not milk based because she's lactose intolerant make sure you do check for any kind of allergies it's important and then also had other foods that were like savory like mustard and mayonnaise and I would switch in between the two give her that high low feeling whenever mm. she was in sensory deprivation it was so mean it was great so so it sounds like though that sensory deprivation itself is a style of play that can be mixed with other types of play oh very very much so so like with sensory deprivation, a lot of times, whenever you think of that, you think of instantaneously like blindfolding, but also sensory deprivation goes into, you know, mummification. It goes into whenever you play in dollification. Another thing that, that happens a lot is doing that with leather play or even doing any kind of like temperature play, some sensation play you can use temperature play such as ice or even wax mm. to play with that alongside any kind of other play it really is both play in itself but also a tool to enhance other play aspects very cool what's your favorite sensory deprivation scene to do so i i really like making somebody feel really good and then putting them through the gauntlet of pain and then making them feel really good again. I like to essentially go on a journey with a person and kind of drag them along with me of saying, hey, we're going to go through this and we're going to have a really good time. Here's what I'm going to do. And some people enjoy the lighter things. So like feathers, we go with feathers, we go with simple earbuds and touching sometimes I'll play like ASMR sounds in their ears 
-hmm. But then there's other people that I play with where I will do like more intense scenes of playing with knife play or even electric play. Electric play with a Wartenberg wheel is hell on earth. And it's so much fun (laughs) with the right person. It can be so mean along with, you know, doing some needle play and things like that. But I really love playing with, with fear of the unknown and playing Mm -hmm. off that because I can, I can make a person feel like there are bugs crawling all over their skin when it's really not happening. But I love doing that because it's that, it's that fear of, oh no. Or the best thing is, is that like, I'm planning out a scene and I'm make sure the person does not listen to this episode, but I'm planning out a scene (laughs) where we can move their body. So we completely blindfold them. We completely have them lay down and then we move them into an area to where it feels like they're being buried alive. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it can be a scene just in and of itself, or it can be a scene that transitions from location to location, such as CNC and kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Like that plays into sensory deprivation as well. So whoa. very cool. I guess I have one more question for you, if you don't mind. It feels like this kind of scenes would be particularly challenging to do in a public dungeon or a public play space because you have less control over the environment or am I just not being creative enough and it's not that big a deal. So that's, that's a really good way of viewing it. So like at like bigger, huge events, it can definitely be hard because you have to kind of navigate it. But if you play, if you have like a local dungeon that you can get, in with like talking to you know upper management or the people who are overseeing it with like a board of directors or anything like that or even a house party you can talk to those smaller groups and say hey you know here's a scene that I'm planning out do you think I can have room for it if so where would I do it people are totally able to watch and you can start putting in those parameters to at least see if the the house or the smaller play dungeon would be up for that. It's really hard to do in like bigger, huger, like big events that are weekends long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that totally makes sense to me. Mel, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg here. And we also, we had to go a little back and forth between whether we wanted to talk about this or pegging because <laughs> you have quite the, the list of things on the pegging part as well. I love butt stuff. Butt stuff's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If people wanted to find out more about Gateway Alternative Lifestyle Center in St. Louis or have you come on to their podcast or maybe come to their event to talk about pegging or all the other cool things you do, how do they get a hold of you? On set, I go by Melancholy Ghost, all one word. Same thing on Facebook, same thing on Instagram. Also, with the Gateway Alternative Life Center, they are on FetLife. They're a really cool organization. They have $10 Tuesdays and Thursdays that allow new people to the kink community to come in and kind of learn about the etiquette that you have at a dungeon and mm-hmm. have, have the ability to start exploring, which is really, really nice. Very cool. Well, hang out uncomfortably with us for a little bit while we wrap this thing up. Dawn, 
I don't think that we will be in St. Louis. How would I know, though? <laughs> so, well, I don't think so either. They're not on our list of upcoming events, though that could change. What is on our list is Tucson, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Florida, Indiana, Chicago, and a few more that are in the works. So, oh, oh, and Michigan, you're typing that in there now. I know. Uh, you have just added that in. <laughs> keep up with all our events, book news, and discounts, and more via the Erotic Awakening newsletter. And get your EA shout-outs like Zanita. From Colorado. Lizzie from West Virginia. Rhonda from Mexico. Master Seth from Tucson. Head over to eroticawakening.com today and subscribe. I just put out the February newsletter. Awesome. So we're talking about chemical play? Are we? I don't know. Are we? Well, it just so happens. <laughs> apparently, we talked about chemical play. I just actually posted on my Dan, oh, yeah. my Daniel Bellum FetLife account, my chemical play kit. It's super funny how small and portable it is compared to our big old toy bag full of floggers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, I, one of the things I enjoy about, and, and you know, Mel, it's chemical play, of course, is going to lean into our sensory play, but it's such a great way to say if whether you are a light sensual person, there's one spectrum of the chemical play. And if you want to stand on the mountain of being I am the super masochist, there's another spectrum of chemical play. Wait. Yes. There's a light way to do chemical play. Well, theoretically. Why have I not been the demo dummy for that one? Uh, that is a lie. <laughs> we have some stuff that we've gotten from like, I don't know what your, that is true. your local that is true. naughty shop is, but sensory. Like tingly lube and stuff from, like that. Yeah, from Trojan or Adam and Eve and. Yeah, ID ID. You found that quite boring, if I remember that correctly. That was, I'm like, wait, is it supposed to do something? Well, I guess if I was vanilla, that little tingle would probably scare me, wondering if it was going to be more. But I've had cinnamon oil and and icy hot, so <laughs> yeah, you, you've had. There's there's a big difference. But someone posted a picture. I think it was Traver mm -hmm. posted a picture of someone being flogged with stinging nettle, and I've seen this before. And that is a chemical burn. It is a it's a plant, right? And my response to that was because I took my kids, my sons, I took them to Cub Scouts. And the one thing I remember once we moved to Ohio was if you saw jewelweed, which has an orange flower, mm -hmm. and they pointed out what that looked like. If you see jewelweed, that means stinging nettle is close by oh. because jewelweed is See the little orange flower? Yeah. I'm sure I've pointed that out on hikes before. And that is supposed to be the antidote for stinging nettle. Apparently, you can make a nice jewelweed tea if that is your thing. Oh, nice. Uh, Mel, so... do you ever mix your chemical play and your sensory play? I do. I do. One of my favorite things is to definitely use Icy Hot. I love mm -hmm. Icy Hot. That's always <laughs> fun. But also, at the same time, I really like playing around with utilizing... Definitely kind of hot, cold, but like hot sauce is fun. Mm -hmm. Hot sauce is yep. really fun to use, especially like whenever you play with it on the tongue, but then, you know, leave it there and let the person just drool it out. That's always fun. I, I have to admit, uh, shut up, Dawn. Dawn's, <laughs> Dawn's thinking about some of the mistakes I've made with chemical play. <laughs> and hot sauce. And hot sauce, <laughs> where I end up paying a small, well, let's not talk about that now. But I will say 
that I have put the hot sauce on a what's the nice way to say pussy? Just a vagina. <laughs> and and then I will lick the vagina and get the and I like that little mixed little spicy vagina. That's a I think that that sounds actually like a, a, a meal you could get at a at a spicy classy restaurant. Tackle. I'll have the spicy vagina, please. Spicy so... uh, that was just silly. Let's move on. Don, we can't be on this podcast all night. We have to leave tomorrow to go to the Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. So we decided since we're over here in the Southwest that our wedding anniversary was in December and our collaring anniversary is in March. So it'll be our 20, what is this, 2024? It'll be our 23rd collaring anniversary, and it was our 22nd wedding anniversary, and we got married in Vegas. So this is our one free, we can't even go on a weekend. We don't have free weekends. So we're going to go <laughs> today, Monday through Thursday, and we're going to go see a zombie burlesque. Yes, we and are. I think I'm going to finally zip line down Fremont Street, and I finally lost enough weight to do that i was borderline the last time we were there it's definitely under now so i'm going to try to fly like superman down fremont and we're going to go check out the little place where we got married little church of the west yes yep. so and we're going to stay in luxor and i hear they just turned one of their playgrounds into an adult only playground at night but that doesn't mean naked it means we get to go play all the games that the kids play during the game during the day <laughs> yes and for those people that are fans of the sports ball it just so happens that the hotel cost for the luxor on wednesdays are measly 60 bucks and thursdays like 80 bucks and then friday it's like 380 dollars. and i'm like what the heck's going on well it's the super bowl is going on that's what's going oh, on that will right. be in the las vegas so you know what else is going to be interesting it'll be our first time there with a vehicle because we're oh. driving there. Usually the couple of times we've been there, we've flown in. And it'll be interesting in our big ass truck. <laughs> Mel, I'm going to ask you are a true or false question to test your geography, which I knew that you were looking forward to. It's everybody's favorite part of the show. What? I, I just made that up. But anyway, Mel, you have to answer this question anyway. True or false, there is a Las Vegas, Arizona. I feel like that's true, but also I come from American geography. We suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> and is it Arizona or is it New Mexico? There is probably one in New Mexico as well. We've stayed in the one in New Mexico, but there is a Las Vegas, Arizona as well. Wow. So um, if you're booking for Las Vegas, you might sure you, get lost. Yeah. So if you ask the GPS for Las Vegas, make sure you got the right state. I literally, when we went to Las Vegas, New Mexico... I knew we were in Las Vegas, New Mexico, but I still, when we checked into the RV park, I asked the lady, so where's the casinos? And she looked at me horrified, thinking I got this mixed <laughs> up. And I said, no, no, I'm just kidding. And, and to your point, Mel, you are 100% correct. I know geography. I know global geography because I played a shit ton of the game Risk. My husband's the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but we played Ticket to Ride yesterday with the Kevin and Katie and it's a little challenging because it's U.S. Yes. geography. <laughs> We've only lived here our whole lives. Be a part of the Erotic Awakening podcast community. 
You can support us on Patreon and get early access to the podcast, a free version of the audiobook polyamory toolkit, free ebooks, member-only Discord access, and more. Find all the goodies on patreon.com slash erotic awakening today. Help others find us. Take a moment to support the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, hey. or wherever you listen. I want to do that in with my hypnosis training class in mind. Find all the goodies at patreon.com slash erotic awakening. Now, that's right. Okay, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> oh Nobody listens to this part anyway. Join the conversation with us and other listeners. Use the links from the Erotic Awakening website for our growing Discord channel. Feel free to reach out to us, contact us with questions, podcast comments, or just to say hi. We are Dan and Dawn on FetLife and Erotic Awakening on Instagram. Or just email us at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Bye, Bye Mel. Bye.